Hey now, how's it going? This is Rob here from Rob School of Music, but today it's not Rob from Rob School of Music. It is Rob, the author of this book, Shreds, and I am so honored to be hanging out with my storytelling expert, writing coach, probably one of the coolest people on the planet, Miss Kristen Spencer. Hello and welcome. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Well, I am really excited because I actually had people tell me, I wish Rob would let someone interview him. And I feel so privileged to be the one to do that. So why don't we kind of switch the table, turn the tables a little bit. And I'm actually going to start over and reintroduce Rob as if he's the guest. And I somehow have a music YouTube channel, which would be crazy, but cool. All right. So welcome back to Rob School of Music. And today we're actually going to talk about the man, the living legend, the soon-to-be best-selling author. I have huge faith in that for him. We're going to talk to Rob Spampanato about his journey from, let's say, awkward teenager, right, to yes. epic rock star. Can we use the, that language? Is that okay if I call you an epic rock star? In my mind, that's what I am, so sure. Okay, well, I agree with you 100%. So the exciting thing is in today's interview, Rob is going to answer all of the questions that he is normally asking. And I get to ask him and kind of tease him a little bit. And we're going to find out also some of what is in his amazing new book that I cannot wait to be released. Everyone in my staff has not only fallen in love with the book, but also with Rob himself because it's so good. The stories are so amazing. They're so relatable. The advice is like top notch. And we can't wait. All of us at Literary Symmetry, which is where I work, where I'm the boss lady. We can't wait for you to read this book. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Are you nervous about this interview at all, Rob? Strangely, a little bit. Yeah, it's weird, but <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> okay. So we're going to start with the first question. What was the first record or concert that made you say, I want to do that? You know, it's complicated because my dad's a musician. So music has been around me my whole life. He was, you know, I, as growing up, he had bands and they practice in our basement or living room. So that was cool. It's dad. He's playing music. But there was a disconnect. I never really like started when I was five, quit when I was six, told that story a million times. But that's little, 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 little boy. Like, so what made me pull the trigger and this is what I want to do. Um, my friend James and his sister, who was my babysitter at the time, uh, took me to see No Doubt at a local community college. And uh, it was my first rock show. It was my first show of any kind. And it was general oh admission. God. So we're shoulder to shoulder. It was on a Tragic Kingdom tour. So showing my oh, age. The best and, one. Right. Yeah. I mean, people were moshing during um, Don't Speak. It was insane. And um, there was uh, Unwritten Law and Shelter were the other two bands, and that's like burned in my brain. And I saw them on the stage, oh and I God. said, wow, this is cool. This might be something um, I could do with my life. And then it, it was gradual from there. But when I actually started to play music, that was just ultra present in my mind a couple of years later. That Yeah, that that's definitely the spot where I was like, oh. You don't even tell that story in the book. This is my first time hearing about this. Like, you guys don't know. I have spent so much time with Rob in the last four or five months. I've heard, I feel like, almost every story. I've heard a lot of stories. And I have never heard that one. I'm a huge No Doubt fan. I love Unwritten Law. Like, you don't even oh, really? know. Yes. So that is so exciting. I mean, everyone knows. Tragic Kingdom is epic, right? 
So you like see Gwen Stefani up there, like you see the band rocking out and you just thought, I want to do that. A hundred percent. And it was, it was the, the whole experience, like not even just seeing the band. Cause I wasn't playing music at the time. It was just the feel of it all. And like, we went right to the front of the stage and we couldn't get to the center because there was too many people. So mm -hmm. we were kind of to the side standing in front of these giant square rectangles that were subwoofers. And I couldn't hear for like a week afterwards, but it was amazing <laughs> and worth every second. Yeah, that's so awesome. Okay. Well, that if you want more cool Rob stories, you should definitely buy his book. And I'm definitely I'm gonna say that a bunch, just so you know, because that's how much I believe in this book. I'm book obsessed and I don't recommend a ton of books, but his is one I definitely recommend. And in the book, you talk about this next question a ton, right? How do you deal with stage fright? Oh, awesome. Uh, yeah, I've asked that to so many different people and I've gotten so many different answers. And some of them are my answer and some of them are different. I think it's truly an individualized thing. But for me, it's preparation. I, I go into every situation and this has to do with just real life. Like, really, I run this in my mind when I'm going to order a coffee. And I'm like, okay, I've already ordered it. I did it, even though I didn't. So silly, but that's how it is. Um, I just, I, I'm prepared for it. So if I have a gig coming up, I'm going to make sure that I, I know all the material as best I can. I'm properly rehearsed. And as you know, the curtain comes up in my mind, that's going to go over in a second. So why stress about it? If you, if you did the work, you're ready. And I think that that's life, right? Which is everything. People go crazy before they take a, the big algebra test. But if you didn't study, it's not going to matter. Why worry? You can't change it. Yeah, that's so true. And I hate algebra so much. I'm not a math person. I, so music is math, right? I failed math. I was in summer school two times because of math. It doesn't even make any sense. Yeah, but music is like, I feel like it transcends that because it's it's a mathematical language, right? And you talk about that in the book as well, how music can not only transcend like genres, but it transcends culture because it's a magical mathematical language. Absolutely. Okay. So, okay, we'll talk about, we're going to talk about personas too, which ties into the stage fright, but I feel like we'll get into that a little bit more later yeah. with some of the other questions. So how did you get into this business? It was so strange because I have this very specific memory and I don't think I talk about this in the book either. It's funny because reliving my life story, like on paper, I'm like, wow, oh my gosh. And just a new thing pops in. So I have this very distinct memory of hanging out with my friend, Eric Bornstein, who I don't talk about at all. Um, and know. Eric, <laughs> Eric, um, he had an older brother who played guitar and Eric gave me like my first like rock cassette tapes Ooh. and his brother played guitar and we were in his room and you're, you're not supposed to be in like older brother's rooms, but we we're in his room looking at his guitar and looking at all his bootleg concert tapes and things. And I said to myself, Man, what an idiot. Why would anyone ever think they could be in a band and actually be famous? That's just insane. Why bother? And six months later, my friend James says, hey, man, I'm playing guitar. You, should, you still got the guitar you had from when you were a kid? And that that's just where everything changed. And it's so crazy to me that in literally half a year, my entire life's purpose went from this is ridiculous to I'm going to do it. And then I think within the band I was in, what got me into where it ultimately went is um, I sang in my bands when I was first coming up, which is something I don't recommend anyone looking to try and find, but I did do that. 
and everyone else was afraid to do it. So I just found myself inventing this persona, going back to that initial thing that we were saying, um, building this character up and that sort of just morphed. But I think really what got me into it was no one else wanted to. And then my father, my father, as I said earlier, was a musician and he has just been my biggest supporter the entire time. He has financially fronted every musical endeavor I had for the first 15 years of my career. Um, he would take us to the music store and, and find, you know, whatever amp that I was into and then get a second one for, for James to play through. So oh, there was no so competition. Cool. Yeah, it was just incredibly generous. So it, it stems from him. He's definitely planted the seed, but there's just these little weird by chance things along the way that pushed it through the funnel. And okay, so you talk about this in the book as well, how your parents were very supportive and how your dad was like your biggest fan and he would front, you know, like he would drive the box truck to the yes. shows, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. But I know that a lot of the people who watch this channel, they don't necessarily have a good support system built into their family. So how do you deal with that in the book? Because I know it's something that was really important for you to get out there for people who are trying to build a musical support system. Well, I think it's just finding finding it where you can. I was very, very lucky to have a supportive family, um, be up to my parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents. They, they believed in this thing I was trying to do with my life. And I think, I'd hope all of them are very happy to see that it actually went somewhere because there's certainly some times where it seemed like it couldn't. But for those who don't have that, don't feel alone. You can find that same thing in your bandmates, in your guitar teacher, in your teacher in school. Someone's going to believe in you and, and you just got to find that person. And music is a great way to find those people because you're all hoping for the same thing. I think any older musician who sees a younger musician reaching for it and kind of craps on them, well, that's kind of a jerk because we're it's, it's cyclical and we're all yeah. just moving the wheel forward and sharing these songs and sharing these experiences. And that's a big part of what I do with the school. Every day I get to show every week a young person, Metallica or Jimi Hendrix or John Bonham, you know, whatever their instrument is. And just seeing every time their life changed. They, they, they changed. And then to be the person to be like, and you can do that too. You know, I think it's just finding that community. It's very important. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's so important to find people. And I think that's one of the things that really, for me, set your book apart from a lot of other music books was that, oh, you have all these mental health ideas built in, which is really refreshing. And I can see even with the early reviews you're getting, a lot of people are like, oh, I love how holistic this approach is. And I just want to say directly to the watcher, the viewer from Rob and myself, we believe in you. So if you need to, one of the things that Rob says in the book is borrow my belief. You can borrow our belief. Like yes. we believe you can do it. So don't give up, keep going forward. And that's also something that you'll get more encouragement of inside rob's personal story and and i love so much that you said that part because that's one of my favorite lines within there and that's my youtube channel my school me in real life like i believe so much in the potential of other people um i always get made fun of and say i'm passionate about passion if someone's passionate about something <clears throat> i'm all in and that's probably the biggest thing i want this to achieve in other people is this 167 pages is telling you you can we believe you can do it. Just do it. Play music today. You got it.
100%. And actually, this brings up a point for me. So, um, you know, my staff was working on Rob's book, we have editors and formatters, and we're all working on it and reading it. And all of us picked up our guitars, uh, except for our formatter. She doesn't play music actively, but she was very interested in the story. But, you know, like, um, the editor, she hadn't, she had quit guitar lessons and she picked up your book. And as she was working through it, she like started doing two a week and she bought a new guitar. And now I'm looking at new guitars to buy. And our intern was like, I got my guitar out for the first time in 10 years. So if you just need like a little pep talk, if you need that moral, uh, the morality boost, then this story is so relatable on so many levels. And I just love that even, you know, like we're technically your employees, right? We're working with you, but you're still inspiring everyone to push themselves and to re-embrace that magic that you can get from music. It's everything. That's that's mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how do you get the gig and learn all the songs? practice <clears throat> i have seen <laughs> you know it's my circumstances musically most of my bands were my own bands and then mm -hmm. in the second half of my musical uh career it's been playing with other people and any gig i've ever gotten any audition it's it, i had this one particular gig i did and i i was auditioning and i learned all the songs i had to learn they gave me this giant like 200 song set list and said, learn a few. I learned the whole first set, which oh was like goodness. 17 songs or something like that. 18 That's a songs, lot. I can't remember. It was, but I wanted to show them, especially because this was a different genre for me. I was coming out of rocker, metal guy. Like I literally, two weeks prior, got back from a tour playing uh, with this band Diecast, which plays uh, like Kill Switch Engaged kind of, that, that kind of metal, screaming yeah. with melodic vocals. And that was like a, a Northeast tour. So that was like their home space so it was killer and then two weeks later i'm learning lady gaga and uh disco music and all kinds of you know and That's i showed awesome. up to it was incredible and i showed up to the audition and the driveway was like a an incline like that and i was like all oh, right no. well i drove here i drove here time to go home <laughs> but i didn't i carry i carried all my road cases up this giant steep driveway inside oh i'm gosh. soaking wet I looked like a maniac, just tuffing and puffing and sweating through my clothes. Um, but I knew all the songs. And I knew as I was getting there that no matter what adversity I was going to face, I was there early. So even to carry all my stuff up the giant, absurd, unpaved driveway, I still got in the door and had all my stuff set up 10 minutes before I was supposed to be there. Even with all that extra stuff built in, I knew the material, I was friendly, I was humble, I was sincere and I was just constantly aware of this is a cool situation to be in. There's no ego. There's no arrogance. There's no cockiness. It doesn't matter where I was two years ago. Here yeah. I'm in someone's living room auditioning to play pop songs. doesn't matter. Playing music is the gift. Who cares what the song is? And, and to me, that was a huge part of um, and that happened along the way that happened when I was playing, you know, how would we audition to play? We played um, a bunch of clubs in LA. We had to send, videotape submissions okay well we put them in the, the folder and the press kit and we made sure everything was professional looking and i just think that preparation and punctuality and just awareness of the situation is a huge part of getting any gig really in life well okay i want to point this out because this is something that i know people who watch your show always think and i've heard people say this is that 
Rob is really good at like getting all the little humble nuggets and like gratitude nuggets out of these um, crazy, amazing musicians. And when he interviews them, it's different than when other people interview them. I echo that 100%. But I think what you just said is such a key to that is you approach everything with this, uh, you know, attitude of gratitude. I hate to rhyme like that. that, but <laughs> Oh, yes. You're singing to me. Rapping. Let's go. And attitude, you know, like, <laughs> the, the humility, right? Like how, like, how did you get that? That's so hard, especially for someone who performs on stage for a living, right? It's really easy to let the ego get to you. So do you right. feel like it's more something that your parents instilled in you? And I know you definitely have talked about your dad and how he was like very business-minded, but also very grateful. So where do you think that comes from? How did that become your superpower? I think it's a combination of all those things. I think it's my upbringing. I think I, I, I'm proud to say I had a good family, a good family life, supportive parents who are worked hard to put food on the table and, you know, long hours and, but still were present for every karate tournament and for every, you know, family birthday party. So I think that awareness of it's presence, really. I think it's just presence. I wake up every day and I'm excited to come do my job because it's so incredibly lucky to be able to do this. And that is never lost on me. Now, there was a small blip on my radar when I was probably 18, 19, where my band was on a strong upward trajectory and I was starting to get a little full of myself. And um, I got humbled pretty quickly and I learned <laughs> from that. And And I... It's funny because friends that I've had a long time, I'll often reference old Rob versus new Rob. Mm, yeah. And, you know, I'm like, well, 2000, you know, 2002 Rob, he was kind of an S and they laugh. And they, but then, but it's funny because I'll bring that guy up. Like he's a total stranger. I'm like, don't make me bring out 2002 Rob, let's go. <laughs> and then say something I, I would have said with that headspace, but it's just maturity and, and awareness. And I just think the presence, honestly, like I am, it's never lost on me. I got, I got to sit here in this chair and on, literally on, on my birthday last year, interview Steve Vai, who was like uh, the guy, yeah. one of the top, you know, and he talked to me like we were friends. It was so beautiful and cool. So I think just awareness and presence. That's so awesome. Okay. So now we get to the, this is also in the book, right? You put so many nuggets in the book, but what is your practice regimen? All right. So Growing up, I was a crappy practicer. My guitar <laughs> teacher would, would, I still have my binder from 1997, 98, 99 when I was taking I lessons. Yeah. Um, and I've showed it actually to, I'm still friends with my teacher and he's like, wow, I still do those lessons. Awesome. Like it, it works. Right. But I didn't care back then. I didn't care at all. My focus was writing my music and hanging out with my friends and, and girls and, and just rock star idiocy. <laughs> but I didn't progress. I was frozen in time for a long time. Yeah. And then I went to college for music and I was like, whoa, jazz guitar. What's a seventh chord? I don't know what that is. Wow, oh, that's embarrassing. Yeah. Well, there's a bass clef too. Oh, I don't know what that means either. You know, things like that. So for me, whenever I grab my guitar at any point during the day, and this is like for me specifically, but then you can connect it to others. Anytime yeah. I grab my guitar, I sit at my chair, I turn around, I grab the guitar. I look at the clock. I say, all right, I got five minutes I can play. I'm going to take a third of that time and run something that's really hard. And then noodle around and have fun the other half. Anytime you're playing your instrument, you're bonding with it, you're getting more familiar, you're learning something, you're learning where your hands go, you're learning how to track left hand to right hand. But it's my philosophy is one third of every time you touch your instrument, um, 
recreationally, obviously while you're performing, it's a different story, but recreationally one third of the time should always be focused on something um, complex. And then I get a pushback from students. Well, I don't have a lot of time. Okay, that's fine. If we have a half hour lesson each week, I want you to guarantee to yourself and to myself, you're going to put in at least two hours of practice time between your half hour lessons and put it on your calendar. I don't care if it's 15 minutes here, 10 minutes there, whatever is two hours really working on. And out of those two hours, one third of that time has to be on complex new things, hard things. And that's how you move forward. It's really true. And if you follow that in one year, you're going to progress with someone who's just having a good time would take three years to do. Yeah. You say that in the book and I was, you know, I've just been thinking about it since, since we worked on that part. And even when we were editing, editing it and I was like, this is not like, you know, uh, my background, I was also in music. I did drum and bugle core and I was in drum line and Rob and I geeked out over band the first time that we talked. Um, but I was like in the mosh pit instead of on stage, right? which is actually true. I have been trampled in mosh pits before. Um, but you know, like it's one of those things where I never learned that approach to practicing, even though I was around musical people all the time and I come from a musical family and I it just like opened my eyes in such an intense way where I was like oh and like you were saying even if someone doesn't have a ton of time it's like okay what's one of that time whatever time you have you can actually put this in practice and I love that that also slides into our next question perfectly which is what made you want to start a music school? So we just heard about your college and your like music awakening, right? When you're like, I need to learn this stuff. But how did you get from that to where you are now helping students be able to do what you can do? It's interesting, Honest, because it really wasn't going to happen. So I had like taught people along the way, like if I'm home from a tour or just, you know, random students through Skype, which is so strange to even say Skype now because Zoom has just crushed them. But that's what it was. You know, you meet someone, you meet someone in Arizona and then you stay in contact in MySpace or whatever. And then, hey, you want some lessons. But the actual music school, I was approached by another individual who was running the music program at a local music store. And he asked me to teach on Friday and Saturday mornings. And at the time I was gigging Thursday, Friday, Saturday evenings and like Sunday lunchtime matinee sort of stuff so i was like okay Okay. well this is this is dead time for me Mm -hmm. monday and tuesday are technically my weekend days so why don't i just fill out some more of those my five work days um but i was hesitant i almost said no because like i don't i don't know how to i haven't taught piano i haven't taught drums i can play them but i haven't taught them right and he's like i just just do it whatever and he kind of just shoved me into it (laughs) because he just didn't want to deal with having to hire someone else and i did it i did it for a couple of months and I got a phone call the day after Valentine's Day. So I'd only been there for two months. And I thought I was in trouble because I lost a student. And he says, I'd like to sell you the business. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And there's a lot more to that story, which I'll leave out. But I did it. And I, I basically bought the roster of students that were existing. I think it was like 70 students or so at the time. And oh, it that's was very, a lot. Oh, yeah. But it was very risky. You never told because, me that. Oh, yeah. But this is, they all could have quit. They all could have quit. A lot of them were... Uh, on their way to college or just older yeah. and everything was different. And I kept most of them, which was awesome. And since then, a lot of them have aged out of the program, but 
I was able to keep it going. And then a year into that happening at the music store that I was teaching out of, they told me they were closing that location. And that was devastating because that was a pretty sweetheart deal. I, I had the lesson rooms to use, no overhead. It was perfect. Right. I was still figuring everything out. And that that is when it could have been. That first year, I don't really think of that as Rob's School of Music because it was so many parameters and other things where it was going. Yeah. And I found out I found out that on a Monday morning. Uh, and I freaked out. And then I called a real estate agent friend of mine and she said, I think there's a spot in, in town you should check out. I went to the spot. I checked it out. The landlord was very dismissive because I was in a tank top, I think. And um, well, not just that, right? Like you describe it in the book as like you had your whole rocks. You were rock star yeah. out. Right. And you're like, hey, yeah. I want to rent this for a legitimate business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's covered in tattoos and just. <laughs> you know, still tears in my eyes probably because I was so banged up in the car. So I just looked like a maniac. And yeah. And then, you know, we, I got into this space. I, uh, James, actually, my friend James, he's, he's by trade a, uh, a mechanic. Uh, what's he do? He mechanical does drawing. Mechanical. Yeah. No, but not engineer. Oh. He does like drawing, drawing like a uh, technical artist. I'm not sure. He, he makes, uh, he, James, leave a he, comment and tell us so we don't have yeah, to guess yeah. anymore. Yeah, he, 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 but he, he drew out the architectural plans of what this ultimately oh, became, which is so, so cool. special because like the dude who made me learn to play music again, like literally helped me design the floor plan, which is insane in like in a professional, legitimate way. So, yeah, oh, that's how I got into I this. That. And and this space has just grown and grown and grown. And we, we have the stage here now and we have um, more students than we've ever had in the building plus another probably hundred or so students virtually around the country. So it's just, it's just been the coolest thing, but it started with I'm imposter syndrome. I can't do this. All yeah. right, let's see what happens to, Oh my God, everything fell apart to let's just keep going. And, and I love it. And I actually have some really cool expansion things that I'm working on also. So cool stuff coming. Yay. I mean, I think, so I kind of always think like, what was the other person imagining and i can't imagine that that person was just gonna be like everyone rob is your teacher now unless he saw something in you right like you wouldn't just abandon your students even if you're tired but he kind of pushed you into it and i know you see this all the time because you own a music school which is so cool by the way but just because someone's good at playing music doesn't mean they're good at teaching music yes i think with this particular individual my family had owned a pizza pizzeria in the same shopping center. So he had seen my personality there promoting the business and stuff. We knew each other through music. So yeah, I, I think there was a part there, but you're totally right. I mean, I meet people, you turn off that sound. I don't know if you hear that sound, but that sound comes in. I made people all the time that are like, yeah, I'm awesome. And they can play circles around me, but man, they couldn't teach you how to just hold a guitar, let alone play it. Yeah, I mean, it makes such a big difference to have someone who understands different learning styles. And I know that, you know, like at your school, it's very customized because everyone learns differently. So that's, yeah, I love that so much. Okay, we're yeah, going to do that, the, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I just going to, just on the customized part, I think that's really what makes this a unique sort of thing. And um, it's, it's just not one size fits all because that's not how anyone learns. I mean, maybe public education, they teach you that way, but I don't know. I meet a lot of people who don't remember anything from public education because they were just shoved through the oh, system. Man. 
Don't even get me started. Do not right? even get me started on that. I totally agree. Okay, so let's go to the desert island. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, if you were trapped on a desert island with what guitar would you have? Guitar, amp, and pedal. And you can only have one of each. Okay. Oh, yay, show and tell. I love it. Okay, so it's this guitar. Okay. Um, so I've been um, endorsed with PRS Guitars since 2007 or six or eight, one of those, I'm not really sure. Okay. Um, and they've just been incredible to me and I love their instruments. They, the, the attention to detail, it's not an advertisement, it's a fact, the, the craftsmanship, it's just Paul Smith is a genius and the stuff he does is, everything is there for a reason. So I had been with them and some weird life stuff happened and I stopped playing music for a bit and like it was over and it was gone and I got rid of a lot of my guitars and it was just a really sad time. And then in 2016, um, I'd been doing this acoustic thing for a while. And I was like, we're going to put a band back together. I need to get a cool electric guitar. And I, I saw a picture of this very guitar in a magazine. And I put it on Instagram and I was like, you know, dream guitar or something like that. Uh-huh. And then I, re- I reached out to PRS and they're like, you know, we, we d- that particular model, the neck is made of rosewood, the, the finish, the top. We don't have a ton of those. Like you, we just, that's not something we can get for an artist at, at this time. I was like, yeah, fine. It's, I understand that entirely. Right, right. Yeah. And then um, in 2019, I was scrolling through the internet and I found one, which was this one. Um, and PRS Guitars, they have a tag when you buy them that tells you when they're manufactured. And it had been manufactured um, in 2016. So it was of the same year of the one oh, that I found. And it was manufactured on April 21st, which is my birthday. <gasps> Which so, I know, I, if yes. you don't have his birthday, you're about to because his book, his Kindle drops on April 21st, which is yes. so exciting. Okay, sorry. Get back into your story now. So so <laughs> this would be the guitar. It's uh, yeah. made of mahogany. It has a maple top. It has two humbuckers, but you can make them single coils. And it just, it does every sound I need. Um, I have uh, 60-something guitars um, and counting, <laughs> but... Um, if I had just one, this this could do everything I need it to do. So that that would be the Desert Island guitar. The yes. amplifier amplifier would be a Mesa Boogie Mark V, which is a high gain amplifier, but it also has a really good clean channel. So I could play distortion and clean guitar. And then the okay. pedal I would bring would be um, probably like a Strymon Big Sky, which is like a, delay, a reverb pedal, yeah. like ambient sounds. So, yeah. Nice. I mean, I like how you're like, okay, I know for sure the guitar. I know the exact amp. Which pedal am I going to take? Yeah, the pedal's <laughs> a problem because they, they all yeah. do different things. I picked a reverb because reverb, you can kind of make that sound like delay so you can play off of yourself. So if I'm like alone on an island losing my mind, at least for those <laughs> one third of my playing time, I can do cool things pretending to play with someone else. Right. That is sad, but very thoughtful. <laughs> <laughs> okay so i don't know what this question means just so everyone knows i play the acoustic guitar and i was in percussion so (laughs) i haven't gotten my first electric yet i'm like this close to going out and buying one like i was gonna go buy one yesterday because it's all rob's fault but so what are your thoughts and can you explain what this means on amp modeling technology versus tube amps yes ah good good question so a tube amp would be like these here. Um, 
two types of amplifiers. A tube amplifier, which has vacuum tubes inside of it, little things that look like light bulbs. And that is where a lot of the tone comes from. Okay. But the problem with the tube amp is they're really heavy in weight. Mm -hmm. A lot of them, you need to get them pretty loud before they hit the sweet spot. And they're okay. fragile. And they're fragile. Right. Yeah. Um, all of my gigging and touring up until probably 2018, I would take one of those with me. Amp modeling technology is companies like Line 6 and Fractal and um, Kemper have these, they're basically computers where they've taken all the sounds from all these various amplifiers and replicated mm -hmm. them. And it is a huge point of contention with guitar players because does it sound as good as the real thing? You know, it's if you're going to show up to a session and I've had like some of the pros I've talked to and they're like, I, if you don't bring a tube amp in, everyone's going to just dismiss you immediately versus other professionals saying like, no, I just bring my Axe effects with me and it does everything I need. So yeah. my answer to that question is both. My answer to questions <laughs> about all gear is both because I use these to play and have fun. But I, I am a fan of Fractal Audio. Their Axe effects series of modeling modelers are you can't tell the difference i have one sitting in front of me that i use for all my digital content and i actually use one in my teaching room also so both okay i like that why not right why not yeah. use both you're not on a desert island anymore so you that's don't have right to but you know what i've had people answer the desert island question by saying they would bring a fractal with them and that's like cheating because it does everything oh that's true i mean oh yeah you're like i don't have to pick one so i say both but if i had to pick one doesn't that makes sense right like yeah yeah just a girl who doesn't play electric guitar speaking okay yet. so let's get a little bit more into your day-to-day -day. and i know that this is a huge thing for you because we talked about it so much when we were planning your book right like what is a day in the life and do you have any specific daily routines health and well practices etc yes yes awesome so before I'm going to give you two choices because pre um, the thing that happened the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was you. a little different. It was a little different. Yeah. So the last couple of years I wake up in the morning, I gulp down a bunch of water. Mm -hmm. I go for a walk or a run. There's beautiful lakes and nature where I live during the warmer months. We've started bicycle riding. I bought some really nice bicycles for myself and my girlfriend. So we'll so go fun. on this awesome trail. And then before everything, I would go to a gym. I, I loved going to the gym and I haven't yeah. been going to the gym and I see it on myself in this reflection, but hey, life is life. Um, but fitness is a huge part of everything. I think uh, health mm. is wealth. So I'll, I'll throw mm. out some cliche rhymes too. Yeah, And join my club. That's it, but they're true and they stick in your brain for a reason. And I think right. if you're not together physically, you're not together mentally. And if you're not together mentally, you're not together physically, they kind of connect to each other. So some sort of physical activity in the sun, especially in the warmer months, that'll last longer. I come into the school between 10 and 11, bang out all of the emails, um, play guitar for a bit. Then in the I have lunch in the afternoon. I try and take care of any digital content I need to put out. If there's yeah. any videos I need to film, I usually try and put that specifically after I've eaten, but before I have to go into teaching mode, because mm -hmm. at this point I'm I'm still teaching. Um, a couple of lessons a day. I have a bunch of other amazing teachers who are doing that, but there's certain people that I still work with personally. Yeah. Um, eat dinner. And then I have uh, usually band classes at night that I run, which is 
a lot of fun to see the kids play together. I eat dinner way too late. I watch uh, shows like The Real Housewives of New Jersey. I'm totally cool with that. <laughs> I love um, it. And then I try and read. I try and read before bed to shut my brain off because my brain is always, always going. Yeah. Um, I'm accused frequently of not being in any particular moment, which is ironic mm -hmm. because I think my presence is what allows me to be here. But often I say I am omnipresent because I'm many places all at once, which is the reading kind of centers that. And I think that's reading is the best thing you can do because you're investing in, you know, if it if it's a nonfiction book, you're investing in your imagination. And if yes. it's, or I'm sorry, if it's a fiction book and if it's a nonfiction book, you're investing right. in either it's growth, either actual way, so. skills. Right. Yeah. yeah. For nonfiction, yeah. real life stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And obviously that's how Rob and I met because we're both obsessed with storytelling. And yes. I just like, for me, that was a huge part. Do you want to talk about being a vegan at all? Yeah. I was just about to get there. So um, I, yeah. I don't eat meat. I don't eat meat. I haven't eaten meat um, with the exception of, oh, let, me, let me preface it the proper way. So I have not had cow, pig, <laughs> chicken, turkey, bison. Oh, bison um, so good though. Sorry. Yeah, when I was when I was super into the fitness, we were doing a lot of uh, burgers like that, and it was just killer. Yeah. Um, but no, so I, I I hit a bird with my car when I was picking my son up from uh, oh, preschool yeah. when he was four, and now he's ten, so quite some time ago. And the bird died yeah. in my girlfriend's hands, and a tear came out of his face. And I said, oh. "That's it, I'm done." Oh my so god! Not, yeah, brutal. So I haven't touched any of that stuff. Um, since uh, six years, I guess we're coming up on. Okay. I will have milk occasionally in my coffee, but seldomly, usually al almond milk. Um, if I have ice cream, yeah, I'm going to cheat. If I have pizza, I'm going to cheat. Sorry. Yeah, um, mozzarella, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm Italian. I mean, every time my dad's like, we're making <laughs> sauce. I'm like, I, I know that, but please just don't put meat. Why? Well, come on. You know why. You're like, you can still put all the seasonings. The meat yeah, is exactly. the seasoning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like I feel good from it. I, I don't miss any of that. And I think yeah. I, I've met a lot of musicians who uh, attribute their longevity and health to a similar diet. But to me, I'm not preachy about it. I'm sorry if any of that sounded preachy. Do you? It did not. You know, it, it's, no, it didn't. I, if I'm on the checkout line and someone's order, you know, they got bacon in front of me, I go in my mind, mm, that's going to taste good, but I don't want to taste it. And that's how it is. Right. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, that's kind of your approach to life in general, wouldn't you say? Like, if yes. you don't know Rob, I'll just tell you, he's one of the easiest going people ever. Like, and when he's not easygoing, it's because he really cares so much about something. So, like, it's it's just really cool, probably, for everyone to get to know you a little bit better this way. And I haven't heard you talk a lot about, you know, why you eat the way you do on the show before. And I know that's something that people are probably curious about. And so thank you for sharing with everyone. Yeah, awesome. Okay. So pretend I don't know anything about music, which as we've already established, I know way less about music than Rob. I'm just starting out. What would you tell me? What would you what advice would you give to someone who's just starting? It doesn't matter the instrument. I don't know. When you ask people, do you ask them for their specific instrument? I do. I do. Because it changes a little bit depending on the instrument it does. But the okay. overarching the overarching sentiment is keep going. 
keep going, keep going, keep going. It's, it's a journey. None of this is easy. If anyone could just pick up an instrument and shred <laughs> um, immediately, well, then everyone would yeah. do it. It's very oh, specialized. For sure. And for a guitarist, I say, you know, it's three months. It's going to take three months before this thing clicks. And it's going to yeah. suck for a bit in the middle there. But it's okay. It's going to suck right. together. Oh, that's not a bad. It's going to be um, Every, It's a community you know. experience, right? Where everyone's learning. Yes. And you're going through the same stuff everyone else has gone through. You are not yeah. alone in the things you're dealing with. And I, I will specifically say to people, because I have a couple people who, um, they just fly through everything. Everything's clicking. Everything's awesome. And I'm like, that's great. I'm excited. I'm screaming. I'm, I'm a maniac. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe you got that. You know, you're the best. But something's going to be hard for you. And when it is, don't freak yeah. out because it's going to mm -hmm. happen. I promise you it's going to happen. And sometimes like I'll throw extra hard stuff at them trying to get it to happen just so they can have that real, oh, wait, oh, oh, this isn't as easy because none of it's easy. But the no. secret is keep going. Trust in your teacher. Trust in the people around you. Um, having a good teacher is really, really important. And I'm not saying that because I am a teacher. There have been many times where mm -hmm. I have had students here who are not good for our culture. We just don't align. And I literally will provide them with the name of someone else elsewhere that yeah. I know through gigs or something separate from this business that that's a better fit for you. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. We had something happen last night in my house and this is super embarrassing for me and I'm going to make you share something embarrassing after this. Cool. Um, but so I entered a science fiction competition and I totally failed. Like they were like, no, this is not a fit for us. I just found out yesterday uh -huh. and I was like, I read it in front of my kids. I was like, oh, I failed. And I realized I don't fail enough in front of my kids. Like that's a weird thing to think about. But I was like, well, I tried. And then my kids started listing off all the things they failed at recently. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just gave them permission to talk about all this by literally failing and being sad in front of them. And it wasn't like, oh, my writing career is over, right? No, I'm still going to write science fiction. I can't help myself. But it was one of those moments where I was like, okay, they saw me fail. So how do you help your students know that it's okay to fail? Like, do you ever tell them embarrassing stories or just share with them things that didn't work out? every day of my life and I love it I tell I tell this story where I I tell it in the book so I'll tell it here um, I was playing at this the stone pony which is awesome spot in Asbury Park New Jersey uh, Springsteen Bon Jovi I mean it's just it's just a institution an institution mm -hmm. and um I was playing there with one of my bands and I did my best David Lee Roth jump off the drum riser air split thing and this was long enough ago where I was thinner so it was easier like i nailed the air split like i actually have pic i have a picture i'm going to send you of me doing it at a different venue to show i actually can do it yes i want to do it yeah i want to um, see it for sure and i'm rocking and it was cool and i nailed it and there's people in the front and it's killer and i started to feel like this draft i was like oh maybe like a door is open or something i'm not sure and it turned out i i had split my pants and this was like a time where super skinny jeans were cool so i was buying like okay. jeans like when like, you would shrink them onto yourself do you remember that when you would, i like... would buy them i would buy them from the girl section i'd go to h&m <laughs> and i would buy the the female flared out bell-bottom jeans so they were like robert plant like that yeah look. yeah yeah um, not quite as majestic but that look okay so normally with those types i wouldn't wear underwear because like you'd see i wear boxer briefs oh here's some tmi and you could see like the <laughs> on my thigh like 
riding up. You would and you'd see, see like, the, the ridge. I, yeah, right. This was before Spanx, everybody. Just so That's you know. That's right. Exactly. And you can't show the lines. Yeah. So <laughs> thank God that day I did. I had on like a lot like this color green um, underwear and the hole got bigger and bigger. And then in watching footage back, it had occurred in the second song. So it was like that for a really long time. But I laugh. I laugh. I didn't like run yeah. off the stage screaming and crying. And I tell that story to my kids. I, my first gig, I don't think I say this in the book. So my very first gig at a venue was at a venue called Obsessions in Randolph, New Jersey. And okay. um, our bass player quit the show three days prior because he got an opportunity to play in his other band opening up for Guster, which was a big band at the time. Okay. Yeah. All right. Such so we're like, guys, though. <laughs> absolutely. And in that moment, this gig was everything to us. Like this was, we had, oh. we told all of our family, everyone was coming. We had to sell tickets, pay to play the whole stupid thing. And uh, my guitar teacher filled in for us, Ryan, he played with us and Ryan was a touring musician. He played in an international Pink Floyd tribute band. So this guy was playing Ooh. in, um, Amsterdam and Red Rocks and like big things. And here he is in this yeah. rinky dink club. And I broke a string on the first or second song. Oh no. And I didn't have a backup guitar. Oh no. And I was, I was mortified because now oh I, I had to figure out how to play, you know, without, with my teacher right there, probably going, look at this schmuck. He can't even figure out how to like, it was just, everything went wrong, but Hey, it's part of the story. It's all part of the story. That's like, Failure is part of success. I, I fail hundreds of times every week. I was just talking to someone else about this, but no one hears about it because why? It's just, you just keep pushing forward. Yeah. It, it's, it's all you can do. If you stop, you only truly fail when you stop. I mean, yeah. And I think that's why I was like, so like, oh my gosh, like, you know, my kids don't see me fail a ton. I'm always like, failure is the best teacher, which I 100% believe because failure has kicked my butt. Like it has taught me so many different things, but it's just like, if, so for anyone who's watching and you're like, Rob never fails. He just admitted he fails a ton. I fail a ton. We yes. want you to know it's just part of it. And it's okay to fail because if you don't, you're not going to learn as quickly. And yeah, go you ahead. know what? Also, like, I think it's important to to reference because I always tell failure in these comical situations. Yeah, all my failures are definitely not comical. There's been yeah. huge financial failures. I had to restart my entire life um, in 2012 because of some uh, personal changes, and I started from zero, everything from zero, and now I've gotten back to here. I had a restaurant. Um, in 2008 and in 2010, we had to close that because mm -hmm. the economy was just tanking and it Awful. just wasn't working. Like yeah. that to me taught, keep going. Don't take your foot off the gas. Those failures haunt me, but they also motivate me every second right. of my life. And that's one of the things that I just really love about you in general is you're like, okay, this thing was just awful and crappy. And I'm going to say that's what it was, but I'm not going to let it stop me. And I feel like that has contributed a lot to the success you had. I mean, I don't, I know you've already talked about this and I don't want to talk about it a ton, but when I'm talking about you to my friends and stuff, they're always like, who is this guy? I'm like, he's the first one to move music lessons to digital. Like when everything was still happening in real time, like when the pandemic started, do you feel like all of those things were kind of leading up to you being flexible enough to do that? I wish I had a legitimate answer to that because <laughs> I question it all the time. 
I look back at that time, like we literally found out someone had died in our town and um, there was rumors. Oh, did he have it? Is it it? You know, and we found out that um, one of my police officer friends gave me the inside tip. Yes, it was. And this was on a Saturday. And I said, oh, this doesn't feel right. Let's figure, figure what we can do. And I just sat at my kitchen table and I'm on the internet and saying, what are my options? And I put a video on Instagram and I said, this is what we're going to do. We're going virtual. You're going to get a video. It's going to be okay. Just for two weeks. Remember two weeks. And um, I look back at that video because I used that video as a marketing thing for when we came back to in person. I'm like, look how composed I am. How yeah. am I so composed? Like, Yeah, that's I my question too. Yeah. I think because it's exactly what we just said. It's yeah. There was adversity coming and I had two choices, sit down and cry or punch my way through it. And I punched my way through it. And I, when my time ends, hopefully a hundred years from now, if there's one thing, like I want people to remember it's, it's that, like that guy kept going. Like he, he didn't, I wasn't naturally good at music. I never was. I'm painfully shy. I'm awkward. I stutter. I say like a lot. Um, I suck at eye contact. There's a million things wrong with me but you can never say that I didn't try. And I think that's the secret to life. Just try. I love that. That's so good. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question that's not on the list and then we're going to do the rapid fire questions. Okay. All right. I'm ready off script. I like it. All right. So you all don't know how hard Rob has worked on this project and how brave he has been. And I want to know, was writing a book like what you thought it would be? Yes and no. Okay, explain. Okay, so the yes, um, actually, no, I'm going to say no across the board, but not okay. in a negative way, not in a negative way. The recapping, because there's this whole thing of, well, who am I to tell this thing? And then like yeah. from your your um, incredible positivity and just been so awesome in, you know, this oh. is the right move. You can do it like that. That got me through it more times than you know, because there were so many times along the way where I was like, who the hell am I? Like, no one's going to, why, why? Yeah. And then now to like, see it all together, it is so much more, just forget how cool it looks and feels, but like to see the cohesiveness of literally my life's work, my everything from quitting at six to starting at 13 to every bad gig, to every torn pants, to every heartbreak, Um, And then, you know, personal private things along the way, like, I didn't think it would be as cool as it is, not minimizing how cool I think it would be just, it's making me remember things about my life that I think will be valuable to people going forward. So whomever reads this, you know, whatever comes after this, if it's another book or something more specific, or a lesson or mentoring or whatever version of me I put out to the universe, a better version is coming out because I'm tapped into the vein that I didn't even know how to find. And this made that happen. And I didn't anticipate that. It's pretty mind blowing, right? Like it's crazy. You don't, I, I always, I've written over 20 books now. And every time I sit down to write a book, it's never what I think it's going to be like the things that come out. It's so interesting. And I find that 
the writers that I work with, they have the same experience. But yeah, obviously it was a pleasure to work with you. I'm so glad you let me help you with this project. It is one of my favorite books ever. And that's saying something because I have a degree in literature, just so you know. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to tell everyone, go out and buy this book. And uh, not just because I helped Rob with it, but because I honestly believe in it. Everyone on my staff loves it. The reviews are coming in great. We're like, and if you're like, who should be my online teacher? I didn't tell Rob I was going to do this. So he just has to grin and bear it. But Rob is the person that you should trust to learn music. Like my kids are not going to take music lessons from anyone outside of Rob's school of music. I will never do that. I'm going to try to talk Rob into a very specific course at some point in the future that doesn't exist yet. Um, and hopefully I'll get to be one of the first people in it. But you can trust him 100%. And if you're a parent, you know, I have three kids. Like I would trust him to teach my kids because he cares. He's not. And you'll see that in the book. There's so many stories of just like him caring more than other people would have. And to the point where I'm surprised he's not completely burnt out because he just puts so much of his heart out there. But okay, that's enough of me shamelessly plugging Rob's business because I 100% believe in it. And if you know me, you know, I don't lie. I'm like an integrity person. So let's so much. transition, not awkwardly at all, into the rapid questions. <laughs> all right. Okay, so I asked Rob for the music beginners, like myself, right? I'm not a beginner, but I still don't understand some of this stuff. So he's actually going to explain some of the more technical ones for all of you who watch him do this with these like amazing epic um, rock and roll stars, right? He's going to help those of us who aren't necessarily in the game already understand what some of these are. Okay. Yeah. Humbucker or single coil? Did I say that right? You said it completely right. Hold on. Let me take a sip of my vegan protein shake laced with three shots of espresso. Let's go. Oh, my gosh. That's so much caffeine. Boom. Monday, <laughs> Tuesday, whatever. Day. All right. So humbucker or single coil. So. He's gone to the guitar wall, ladies and gentlemen. An electric guitar can have two general types of pickups. This type. Yeah. Or this type. Okay. If you notice, this type looks like just two of this type next to each other. Yeah. Single coil is one magnet wrapped in copper, and that's the first type of pickup that existed. Think Jimi Hendrix, think mm -hmm. Eric Clapton, that's your tone. Humbucker okay. um, is two single coils wrapped together, so it bucks the hum. This will buzz, oh. zzz, a 60 yeah. cycle hum. It's annoying. This does not make that sound. It's also beefier. Think mm. metal. Yeah. Um, my answer, if I had to pick one, for my entire life would have been this one, but now it's this one because Ooh. the single coil is more expressive. Um, okay. Funky stuff, articulation. There's just more, you can get more you out of it. So single All coil. Right. That was very informative and entertaining, I have to say. Cool. Okay. Okay. Les Paul or Strat? Oh, this is a hard one. Yes, because PRS is the answer. <laughs> but... <laughs> I do like that answer. For anyone who doesn't know about PRS, you should go watch um, Rob Rob's interview with Paul Reed Smith because yeah, it is like mind-blowingly awesome. Just an FYI. Thank you. Yeah, he was so, just generous to give me the time. Um, th but, you know, a PRS guitar is the perfect blend of 
both. Um, yeah. It's mahogany with maple, like a Les Paul, but you can get those single coil tones. So that that would be my answer. But it's not. It's not one of. The, it's against the rules. The answer is all of them because they all really do something different. It's a really unfair question. But yeah, the next two, you, I can be specific. You ask people that question all the time. I know. And they could have given answer. So I you know. have to answer. You have to answer, Rob. Strat. Strat. Okay. All right. I made him do it just for yeah. you. Okay. Strat or te Telly? Tele? Yep. Yep. So a Telly. Yep. So a Stratocaster tele. or a Telecaster. So a, a Stratocaster would be like the pink guitar I just held up. And then a Telecaster would be this shape. Which is, they're just two different types of Fender guitars. You can hear okay. me when I walk away, right? So um, Stratocaster, it's more diverse. That's what I would say. Okay. Strat. Okay, we're going back to Les Paul now. So Les Paul or SG? So an SG is like Tony Iommi or uh, Angus Young, that that shape. Yeah. Les Paul, it's, it's, it's a thicker piece of mahogany, so it's a beefier tone. Although I recently bought an SG and I kind of love it, so. <laughs> okay, but you can't pick both because that's cheating. Yeah, so, no, Les Paul, Les Paul, Les okay. Paul. Stratton right. Les Paul. It's just uh, meat and potatoes. All peas right. and carrots, yeah. Peas and, I, no, no peas. I'll eat any <laughs> other of your vegan food, but no peas. I got scarred in England for sure. Okay, <laughs> so trem or hardtail? Okay, so what I mean by that is, does it have a whammy bar or not? Um, do the whammy bar. You can do cool yeah. Eddie Van Halen stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's just good to have, right? Like you don't yeah. have to use it. You don't have to you use, it. use it exactly. Eggs, we just said the same thing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> See, we're on the same page. Yeah. Almost. I'm learning things as well. <laughs> Me too. So twenty-two or twenty-four frets. Okay, so that just basically means how many frets there are in the neck. Yeah. Um, a standard guitar would, uh, a modern guitar would have twenty-two. Um, older guitars have twenty-one, which I don't like. Um, 24, when it has 24 frets, the pickups are set back a little bit further into the body. So uh -huh. 22 is, an, is enough for me. You feel like that's good. You don't want to mess with any of the other stuff. Yeah, the 24 frets, it, it plays differently. It feels yeah. different in your hands. That totally makes sense. Okay. Thin, medium, or thick pick? I like thick picks. I use a 0 0.90 thickness you can't bend it very easily yeah. it makes this I use sound thick picks too. yeah thin well, ones are dumb so. but even better but see that for me like my main gig for five years straight did a thousand acoustic gigs literally so uh you need yeah. that thicker pick to grab the strings yeah yes so so nice okay nines or tens i prefer 10 gauge strings it just has to do with the thickness of the strings and 10 gauge strings you like the the way they sound better? Uh, I I I played 11s for many years, so it'd be okay. 11 through a 52. Uh, the low E would be a 52, the high E would be an 11. Um, but I tuned down to E flat, so it felt okay. sort of spongy in my hands. But they were thicker strings. So now when I play tens tuned to standard, it still sort of has the same play. If I play nines, I break them. They feel like doll hair. It's just yeah. too thin. Okay. So would you recommend though nines for someone who's just learning or you just be like, go tens. If you're learning and your fingers are bothering you, I'd start with the nines. They ship most guitars with nines. That's kind yeah. of the standard, but I mean, I've been at points in my career, I've had custom mixed gauges where it's like light top, heavy, heavy bottom, just Ooh. madness. That is, that sounds awesome though. Okay. P bass or jazz bass. Jazz bass. Yeah. I'm, I agree. Not that it matters, but. 
But explain your answer. Explain yourself. Um, I like the way it looks aesthetically. It, I, I have them in the other room. I'm sorry, I don't, I can't bring. But um, jazz bass, um, Jacko stores like with just this is a flea that, that's what they're using. It has a thinner yeah. uh, by by the nut. This part of the neck is thinner. So I just mm -hmm. like the way that feels in my hands better. I can slap and do cooler stuff. P bass is good. To, I have both, but but jazz bass. If I was on a gig or a session, you'd see me with the jazz. Okay, good to know. All right, this is like the real one, right? Maple or rosewood fretboard? Oh, that's see, that's so mean to ask that to people. <laughs> so you do um, it every time. You have to answer. So. Um, the PRS guitars, everything that they have um, up until very recently uh, is always uh, rosewood or rosewood, ebony. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on a Strat, I prefer maple because the the body, the tone of the wood, yeah. I think it sounds good. It's snappier. Um, okay. Someone was just talking about this. I forget who. Some, uh, oh, it was John Mayer. John Mayer was saying, wouldn't it be oh. cool if they made a guitar that was rosewood up to like the 12th fret and then maple on the other side. So you could have the chunky for the rhythm, but then the snap for the, which I, I don't even know if that would work, but what I don't know, but you know, who could figure it out is PRS 100%. Right. Who, who John Mayer is endorsed by. So right. Right. It's convenient, Maybe. right? Like yeah. Yeah. they're the ones who like, I'm telling you, you have to go watch Rob's interview, but they like figured out that like twisted wood because of weather is actually like makes this crazy guitar i mean this whole i'm ruining it i'm bastardizing it sorry but go watch the interview because i was like my brain was full in an awesome way yeah he's incredible okay martin acoustic or taylor acoustic i have a very strong opinion about this one i'll tell you so do i but i'm a hypocrite ready so i've been a <laughs> martin guy forever my i have a martin uh forget the model number it's not a fancy one it's just like okay. right you know like twelve hundred dollar your middle ground for them yeah, yeah. like right when you get into their american-made stuff and i have it is a rosewood body it sounds perfect with sam's voice that is the main heated exchange acoustic duo guitar yeah but i just bought myself a tailor for my birthday so we'll see when that comes tomorrow where do you go okay, you have to you have to tell me i have a tailor i was like I thought nothing could sound better than my dad's like 1983 yellowized Yamaha because that's what I grew up hearing, right? Like it still is my favorite sound, even though he's like, no, here's a Gibson Hummingbird. I'm like, eh, no, I'll take the junky Yamaha, please. But when I got my tailor, everyone in my family was like, how does it sound like that? And then they played yeah. it and they're like, how is the action like that? And it sounds like that. And I'm like, yeah, you guys should just go buy one. But they just steal mine and play it. <laughs> You know, it's they they do different things. It's an unfair question. Again, I'm an asshole. Yeah. Because a Taylor and a Martin, they're very different animals, even though they're both yeah. acoustic guitars. And those old Yamahas don't sleep on those. Yamaha's amazing acoustics. So I, I can imagine. I'm wrestling like. for that. Like uh, my dad's like, I'm gonna give it to your brother. I'm like, dude, why? Like I heard it first. I'm the oldest. I should get it. I still right. maintain that to this day. Do it. Okay. Amp gain or pedal? Amp gain? Do you know what that means? Should I explain it? Or... Yes, please. <laughs> please. Okay. <yes. laughs> so, so um, the the Bogner, the, the amp on the bottom, it has two channels. It has a clean channel and it has a distortion channel. Yeah. So it has that would be amp gain, built-in distortion. It's okay. there's a circuit in there that's overdriving the tubes. So it's a synthetic way of making it distort. 
this Marshall up top, it only has one channel that you have to crank to get it okay. to, to break up or that little box on the top is called an attenuator. So it basically you plug it between the amp and the speaker and you can crank the amp, but then it squashes down the DB so you don't blow your face Ooh. off. Yeah. Um, for my entire life, it was amps with, with just tube amps. You want that distortion. Right. Um, the last really big band gig I did, I brought a um, Fender Twin, which is a clean one channel amplifier. And I used pedals to get all the different distortion sounds I wanted. So again, same thing with the single coils. Rob forever would say amp gain. Now it's kind of the pedals pushing it because you can really color things a little differently. I love this like progression that you're describing because as you grow in something, whatever it is, however long you've been doing it, you will always keep changing your opinions about yeah. things. Yeah, and, and I'm not shy thing. about it. Like I yeah. meet people who are so like this and only this. And I'm like, well, enjoy a boring life because nothing is this and only this. Yeah, totally. Okay. I don't know what these mean. Okay. <laughs> 6L6 or EL34. So those are the types of uh, tubes in the amplifier that okay. um, uh, 6L6 are an American sounding, a Fender, a Mesa Boogie. EL34 is more like your Marshall or EL84. Um, I have been a 6L6 guy forever. Now I am completely agnostic. I don't care. They each do something <laughs> awesome. Um, but if I had to pick based on the amplifier I said I'd take, that's the uh, Mark V would be 6L6. Okay. All right. So he picked. You heard it. Yes. Yes. All right. Is the W for watts 100 watt or 25 yes. watt amp? Yep. Okay. Yep. So what that means is um, this black amp and the one uh, is, is a... Um, 100 watt amplifier so to get it remember i said with the tubes you got to crank it to get it to sound good yeah um, this has this has a master volume so that kind of circumvents that but okay. like the the uh the fender amp that i brought on the gig there's no master volume it's 100 watt amp so i can put it on like one and a half and it's blowing people away that's not very <laughs> practical so there's right, this right. whole trend now in lower wattage amplifiers that you can get them louder without blowing your face off i prefer the the higher wattage amp and just get an attenuator so you can kind of bump it down so, in between. Not blow your face off, but also still sound the way you want it to. Yeah, because those 100 rod amps, you got to get them real loud to get the tone you want. But yeah. that headroom to have those extra watts, um, that's the only way to get that tone. So it's it's a double-edged sword. Okay. All right. I don't know. I think I know which one you're going to pick. Delay or reverb? Ah, my entire life delay, but now it's reverb. I hated okay. reverb. I hated reverb. I hated it. I hated it. Now, if I play an amp without reverb on all the time, I feel like I am nude. It just <laughs> catches the note in a beautiful way. You're like, I need that extra covering. Yeah, right? just a little cushion, a little cushion to carry the. If I hit a bad note, this will cover it nicely. But there are but no they're both bad awesome. notes. There are no I bad sense. notes. There we go. Yeah. Yep. It's in the book. It's in the book. Okay. Fuzz or overdrive? overdrive i don't understand fuzz i have many fuzz pedals and i just can't wrangle them they're they're untamed the wild same. stallions yeah okay all right phaser or chorus ah uh, this is the only question where there is a definitive right answer and the answer is phaser it is always phaser but why okay so do you know so think um think crazy train randy rhodes's guitar tone it's okay. distortion, but there's like a little bit of wiggle to it. That's, so yeah. phaser and chorus are both mod modulation pedals. They take the, okay. the signal and they, that kind of thing to it. 
think chorus that, yeah think like i uh, think prince's guitar sound on uh what's that song kiss boom so whatever i'm, I'm nerding out uh phaser <laughs> i just i i love the way i think phaser because ryan was in a pink floyd band so i loved yeah. pink floyd growing up and a phaser is such a huge part of so, so like have a cigar like that's all phaser and i just love that you song. have to have it yeah yeah that, that's on every board more about them in a minute okay okay wah or volume wah more control i'll do the i do a lot of volume with my pinky like on the actual guitar so i don't okay. need a pedal for it and even all if right. like i want to do like swells i'll just do it all in my hands which he can teach you to do, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, all these things. I'll explain all these words in great detail. <laughs> but he'll teach you how to actually do it, which is yes. even better. Yes. All right. Oh, this is like the evil part of your thing, I feel. Okay. Let's go there. Beatles or Stones? Beatles. Beatles. Okay, explain. Justify okay. your answer, man. So... I, I want to make like a, bib, a biblical reference, but I don't know how to do it. But, you know, first there was this and then there was this. And before all of that, there was the Beatles. Okay. I think there's a piece of the Beatles in everything I like. And I'm not Mr. Beatles guy. I, I am not. Yeah. I, I couldn't I couldn't name more than 10 songs if I really, really tried, maybe 20. But I don't know what songs on what album, but I recognize the songwriting. I recognize the dynamic between the members. The sum was greater yeah. than its parts. Um, which is huge in bands because sometimes people get kind of full of themselves, but really yeah, it's like, that I'm magical combination. Yeah. Yeah. Um, stones are great too. I mean, I, I, Keith Richards is immortal. And when I'm drunk, I do my best Mick Jagger moves. So I, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it's the Beatles. Okay. On that note, John or Paul. It's Paul. I would fight John. We would fight. We would get into fist fights. I think a lot of people would fight with John um, yeah. and not very many people would fight with Paul. So no. I can see, I can yep. see why you would say that for sure. Is there something you like distinctly about Paul's sound or his style that you like more than John's or? No, because I love a bunch of John songs. I mean, yeah. I, I, there was a summer where I listened to the walrus hundreds of times it was like a girl i was dating and that was our song and like i loved it and i still love it yeah um but i just think it may be longevity too which is unfair because obviously john's not here i think had he right. continued maybe things would have changed but paul just how he's this he elder statesman going. yeah but ultimately i think it's just on personality like just from what okay. i've read and seen of john i just feel like he was an instigator and i'm like mr hey let's all be friends and i don't that doesn't work but also together, obviously, it's fire, right? Oh, completely, yeah. Nothing yeah. nothing will, has been or will ever be what that writing duo was. Okay, and there's plenty of music geeking out in the book, by the way. I just wanted to point that out because it's yes. really fun. Rob goes crazy with all these different band references and song references. And we're the same age, so I understood all of them, which was awesome for me. I didn't feel old this time. <laughs> okay, this one, I don't know how you can answer. Bowie or Dylan? Bowie, very easily. Okay, so Bob, Dylan, like... Bob Dylan's a great songwriter. Bob okay. Dylan should write songs for other people. Bob Dylan is a caricature of what he could be. I know. Um, His just, early it, stuff it, sounds so different, for sure. Um, but, I mean, another guy. If there wasn't a Dylan, there wouldn't be so many people. But to me, um, 
particularly in my formative years, I was very showy, nail polish, makeup, um, girls' pants. <laughs> so Bowie's androgynous showmanship and the way he was a chameleon. I mean, he did yes. he did a record with Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails was one of my favorite bands. And um, to hear the same guy who was doing Ziggy Stardust do, you know, I'm Afraid of Americans. Um, it's just like, whoa, how are you the same guy? I know. And he would like, yeah, I was watching a whole thing about him the other day. And I'm like, he was honestly a chameleon. That's the perfect way to, yeah. I love him. I would pick him over Dylan, even though as someone who has a degree in literature, I shouldn't because he's got the Nobel prize for literature now, but yeah, I'm with you on that. Okay. But Dylan Zeppelin. as a songwriter, I mean, Dylan oh, as yeah, a songwriter, I don't want to discredit that. Like his, his writing and his, he can tell a story. It's brilliant. It's just something about, I don't know. I'm disconnected. Well, I mean, Bowie could do that too, though. So it's kind of like, yeah. hmm. Okay. But yes. All right. Zeppelin or Floyd? Led Zeppelin. Okay. Led Zeppelin. The Led Zeppelin is one of my top five favorite bands of all time. That doesn't, I have top five favorite bands. Uh, four of them never move. And then the fifth one, it rotates. And Zeppelin okay. is one of the four that never, Zeppelin never moves. All right. So is Pink Floyd not on that list? Uh, it's it sometimes occupies that fifth position. Sometimes it doesn't. It depends on mood because I feel like I can listen to Led Zeppelin music, um, running through a range of emotions. They have more yeah. acoustic stuff. They have more bluesy stuff. They have heavier stuff. They have um, cashmere ethnic sort of stuff. Whereas mm -hmm. like Pink Floyd to me, like if if I'm doing work, I'll throw in a Pink Floyd. Um, as I point to another screen, you can't see. Um, <laughs> uh, that'll just kind of take me on a journey. Yeah, uh, Zeppelin, like, I don't know, like the guitar stuff. But there's, again, hypocrisy because David Gilmore is my favorite guitar player. So who knows who I am? <laughs> well, I think you know that pretty well. All <laughs> right. Dark Side or The Wall? The Wall. Interesting. The, the answer is The Wall. Okay. Yeah. All right. Why? So Dark Side's awesome. It's obviously awesome. It's freaking Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. I, I think for me, when I came into the band, um, knowing that band when i first saw um the machine which was the band that my guitar teacher was in playing okay. at a club called the uh, the wetlands which isn't there anymore in houston street in the city in new york city i walked in and they were playing comfortably numb and there were smoke machines and other smoke in the air and light shows and i was like whoa what is this song and yeah. then the first um pink floyd cd i got was the wall and then i went backwards okay. um I just think uh, Run Like Hell, Young Lust, like there's just so much in the story, the narrative. But again, the chorus in um, Us and Them will literally will make me weep just thinking yeah. about it. So it, it's, they're all great. They're terrible questions. I'm a jerk. Yeah. But see, now you're you're living that thing that you created. So I admire yeah. that about you. You're just taking it. I love it. Yeah. Okay. I already know the answer to this question, but Pearl Jam or Nirvana? Pearl Jam. It's always yeah. going to be Pearl Jam. But- <laughs> But I just recently got on this Nirvana kick, and apparently Nirvana is pretty good too. But it's not Pearl Jam; it's a different thing. Do have you seen the new Batman yet? Yes! Oh my God, the right? best placement in history. I was just like, I was like nerding out so hard, and my kids next to me couldn't understand why I was like so into Batman. Batman was my first superhero, by the way, Michael Keaton and Adam West of course. simultaneously. Yeah. But I was just like, this is amazing. And my oldest daughter, she does listen to Nirvana. So she's like, mom. And I was like, I know. I missed what was happening in those scenes when they had that song. Because I was so into just taking it all in. 
Like yeah. I literally blacked out from the movie and I was just experiencing it. And as a guitar teacher, so when Kurt recorded that song, it was just a one take, him just strumming and playing. It's a Magic. funny tuning on the guitar. So I have yeah. kids coming in wanting to learn how to play it. I call everyone kids at all age. I don't mean it in a demeaning way. Every student he is a kid. Students, I'm a kid. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I need to change that in my words. Um, and I'm like, all right, well, we got to grab a different guitar to tune it. So I actually have a guitar sitting in my room to that tuning so they can just feel it and play it because it's really oh weird to tune. Yeah. Yeah. That, totally. Yeah. That's epic. I love that so much. Okay. Well, you survived. Congratulations. Yes. You did it. All right. Cool. All right. So tell, we've been practicing this, right? You're not going to be nervous, even though if you're nervous, it's okay. So tell everyone what, why did you write this book? Why should they read it? I'm just kidding. Um, so the, the purpose, honestly, the purpose of this book is to tell people they can do something. And when I was first putting it together, I don't think that's what I thought it was going to be. I think, you know, you really yeah. brought that out earlier, but now it's just, I keep saying to people, it's like 20% autobiography through fun stories, 30% music education in a really digestible way. But that 50%, it's all self-help. You can do it. I believe in you. We believe in you. Yeah. Let this be the thing that gives you the ability to say, I can play music. And even if I think what's so special about it, it doesn't have to be music. Obviously, I want it to be music. But maybe it's I can go back to school to get a cooking mm. degree. Maybe yeah. it's I can learn how to use that um you know, thing that I bought that is just sitting in the corner, um, you know, you can do it. And I think music gave me that confidence being really shy, you know, awkward and just my life could have gone so many different ways um, because of my not believing in myself and not having yeah. the ability to communicate properly. Mm -hmm. And I think this will do that for people. So I know that's probably an out there answer to that question, but I really think that's that's what I wanted to do. I want people to know you can do it, and and this is going to show you you can. All right. Well, I am done um, stealing Rob's show from him, so that uh, he could answer these questions for the first time. But uh, I hope that you have gotten to know him a little bit better, like I've gotten to know him, and you will want to read this book. I it is honestly awesome, and. That's all I've got. I'll let you close out, Rob. Well, I just want to thank you so much for your time. And this has been a very cool experience for me and interesting to kind of hear. I didn't rehearse any of it. I was very natural. And I think that's exciting for me because it's this experience was the same thing as the book. It's me getting to know myself. And I think knowing how to answer these questions about everything I do every day just makes me a better person to help other people going forward. And that's the end of the day, helping people. And you helped me tremendously. So thank you for that. And uh, we'll see you guys in the book, right? It's going to be awesome. We're going to shred. Yes. See you there. All right. Bye.